Well, the Rays are a much better team than the Detroit Tigers, and I think that that was proved over and over and over again throughout the entire weekend, not because of things the Rays were necessarily doing, but because of how the Tigers looked all series. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, August 7th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. All righty. Well, the Detroit Tigers dropped two of three at the hands of the Tampa Bay Rays over the weekend. Um... This was just the Rays were are much better than you. And and like I said in the cold, like it, it wasn't like the Rays came in and and I mean they're more talented than you, obviously. They're way better than you are. So like obviously the talent is gonna take them uh very far and, and they're gonna keep reproving that throughout the weekend because of the, the difference in talent, roster to roster, but uh the Tigers just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Over and over and over again. It was mental mistake after mental mistake after mental mistake. And I think that this team, look, like I, I'm at a point now, it's August. This team's 13 games under 500. They're not going to be, they're not competitive. They're not going to be competitive. They're not going to make a run at the AL Central, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. They're, they're probably going to finish 10 to 15 games under 500. And that's if they go 500 from here on out they finished the season 13 games under. Okay. So it's not looking great. Um, so seeing a loss on the calendar single-handedly is not going to make me like super upset, right? I- I'm not going to be like, Oh, you know, like we, we should have won and, and, and whatnot. But I, because this team isn't talented, that is why. Okay. It's important to remember that. That being said, this team continues over and over and over again, specifically the outfield just continues to be obsessed with giving up an extra 90 feet and making mental mistakes. Once they get the ball in their glove and it is so costly and it keeps happening. This was one of the most embarrassing defensive performances I have seen in a three-game series in a very long time. If you ju- the fact that they won a game is nothing short of a miracle to me. Genuinely, like if, if you just watched Friday and Sunday and you missed Saturday's game and you were like, "Oh, what happened on Saturday?" You'd be like, "Well, they probably got pumped." So, to their credit, they did steal a game, and to their credit. They do tend to make games that you feel like are going to be blowouts. They did get blown out on Friday um, and had a position player have to pitch. But on Sunday, they were able to fight late and make it, instead of an embarrassing loss, only a mildly embarrassing loss. At the end of the day, that like clawing back at the end of games that they tend to do and make it, you know, games look a lot closer than they really were. um, That's great, but they're still losses. And the next step is to get over that hump and make them wins. And so 
that's really just my main like theme of this weekend is I'm, I'm not heartbroken at a loss because it's a loss. I'm heartbroken because the, they are doing things that a major league baseball team should not be doing seven, eight years into a rebuild. And that's embarrassing and pathetic. Okay, cool. Let's talk about off the field because there's plenty off the field. We'll get to the defense again later. There's a huge in all caps. It says boo defense on my show notes. Um, let's talk about off the field because there was a lot that happened off the field as well. Uh, anytime the Rays and Tigers play, you're going to get a lot of Austin Meadows comments and conversations. Uh, Isak Peretti's played obviously this series. Didn't have like the greatest series in the world. But I think Friday hit a decent game if I remember right. But um, I, I get asked about Austin Meadows, like peek behind the curtain. This is real. I get asked about Austin Meadows easily three to four times a week. I Like easily. I was going to say once a day, but that's probably too dramatic. In one way, shape, or form, whether it is... Uh, whether it is comments on on a show, whether it's tweets, whether it's direct messages, whether it's uh, you name it. Genuinely, I get asked probably three to four times a week about him, and I don't know anything y'all don't know, and nobody knows anything the general public doesn't know. They have kept everyone, media, fans, personnel, you name it, in the dark about this situation, probably on purpose, almost assuredly on purpose. And I don't know if they just timed it like that just coincidentally or it was because we were playing the Rays, but the Tigers did give an update on Austin Meadows finally over the weekend. Uh, And that update was that he is not currently participating in baseball activity, which leads me to believe that he will not be playing a baseball game for the Detroit Tigers in 2023. That's a complete guess. That's a complete assumption. I want to make that very clear. I do not know anything y'all don't know. This is not me having an inside track or something that I've heard. This is completely a guess in my brain. I have a hard time believing that he's going to play a game this year if he's not even participating in baseball activities in August. Okay? So, people ask me all the time about him. I don't know is my answer to pretty much all of it. What should they do with him in the future? I don't know. If if both parties are confident he can play next season, then maybe he still gets an opportunity to do that. I I I genuinely have no clue, and I'm not just going to come on here and like spew Austin Meadows theories for half an hour every day. I I have absolutely no idea. We've seen nothing that would lead us to believe that he's going to be like ready to roll. Like, you know, all, all things are like great and and he can play a full season next season. They could part ways this off season. They could put him on the same list. They put Erod on last year where he's like part of the organization, but he's not on the roster and he's not getting paid. So he's not like, you know, collecting a check to, to not play. I have no idea. And this winter, uh, there are going to be a lot of questions answered. Uh, about that situation i feel really bad for him i'm obviously a big advocate for mental health we end every show with going to therapy's dope um i i I wish him nothing but the best and i'm able that i'm i hope that he is able to make a comeback and play the game that he loves um but i i don't know what the future looks like 
with the Tigers organization. I just hope that he's getting the resources he needs and, uh, and obviously wish him nothing but the best there. All right. Um, Javi was also scratched from the lineup on Saturday and Sunday. He pinch hit on Sunday, uh, but he wasn't on the starting lineup in either of those days. He's had a death in the family, obviously also wishing him nothing but the best. Um, that's, uh, that, that's always a tough thing to go through. So I don't know, they, they can put him on the brave bereavement list and, and he could miss, I think it's like three to seven days. Uh, and you know, if he needs to go back home or whatnot, we'll see. He did, like I said, pinch hit on Sunday. So uh, I'm not really sure what his status is. We're about to, uh, play, you know, start a new series and travel and whatnot. So maybe, uh, he goes back home during that. We'll see, but that is something to keep an eye out for. As well, the only other thing off the field that happened was a waiver claim was made. The Detroit Tigers claimed Andrew Vasquez off of waivers from the Philadelphia Phillies organization in 40 innings. He has a 2-2-5 ERA. He is a soft throwing left-hander out of the pen. I'm pretty like optimistic about what this could be just because of how well this organization has dealt with Tyler Holton this year, not dealt with, uh, utilized Tyler Holden this year dealt with sounds very negative. Um, and they've utilized him so well and similar ish profile Holden has a little bit zip more zip on the fastball, but, um, just, you know, like lefty without like super plus plus stuff, like they've used him really well. So I'm kind of optimistic about it. It could just be like, Oh, we need another bullpen arm. We'd rather him than Trey Winginter. Let's keep him on the roster for the next two months. And then in the winter, he's a free agent and we, he never pitches for the Tigers again, or he does really well and they keep him long-term like they might do with Holton. Like, I, I'm not sure what the long-term outlook is here, um, but I, I don't mind it. As far as his makeup, he's a slider thrower. That's really what you need to know. He th- and it's not like, oh, you know, 40% sliders or whatever. He throws over 80% 81 mile an hour sliders. It's not like he's pumping 92 mile an hour benders in there either. So um, pretty much exclusively throws the slider, throws about 10% of an 89 mile an hour fastball as well. So he's definitely not a flamethrower, but really good numbers this year because he does not allow hard contact at all. This dude is in the 98th percentile in hard hit rate and the 97th percentile in average exit velocity as a lefty. Not mad about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. He's not going to get strikeouts. He doesn't get swings and misses hardly ever. Definitely a pitch to soft contact reliever. Um, but a lefty with uh, that doesn't give up hard contact, I'll gladly take. And that's what the Tigers got now. So we saw him on Sunday a little bit, recorded one out. Uh, and, and defense was optional uh, when he was on the mound, just like when everyone was on the mound pretty much. Um, let's keep the ball rolling. Let's actually talk about these ball games. All right. Let's get into the games themselves. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Dave. At one time or another, we have all needed a little financial help. And that's why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash when you need a hand between paychecks and can help you build credit by settling extra cash advances on time. Dave is the banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Uh, it's really, it's clutch. That's really the word I would use to describe it. You can even build your credit when you settle up on time. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. Download Dave today at dave.com MLB. That's dave.com MLB. 
you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash MLB. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. I appreciate you all greatly. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one of the Minnesota Twins. I think I said traveling to Minnesota. That is a home series. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with Javi. Doesn't really change my my uh, what I said about it. So, let's talk about the ball games. This was a brutal pitching performance by the Detroit Tigers all weekend. Uh, we'll talk about Matt Manning in a second. We're going to save him for last. Friday was Reese Olsen. So uh, something with Reese Olsen I want to point out. Let's look at the pitch mix that he used in this ball game. Okay, We've been talking for a while about how his four-seam fastball just currently is not a major league pitch. And his final line in this game, five innings, five hits, four earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, one homer. Not great. ERA is about five now. Um, the four seam fastball he used 17 times. Okay. Third most thrown pitch. The slider was the second, the most thrown pitch in this outing was the sinker on the season. The sinker is the third or fourth most thrown pitch going into this outing. So I think that we're adjusting and we're trying things. Did it work out super well? No, he gave up a lot of hard contact and anything that wasn't the slider pretty much still got turned on. And honestly, he had two sliders that got absolutely smoked as well. Okay. This was certainly not a masterclass performance, but I can at least appreciate that there are clear adjustments being made, like very clear. We're not throwing the fastball as much as we're throwing the slider. We're trying to find other variations of fastballs that aren't just the four-seam fastball to, you know, try to, to, to add some deception Oh, I can't miss bats on the four-seam fastball? Well, let's use a sinker. That's a that's a pitch-to-contact type of pitch anyways. That's not a, a bat-missing pitch as is. Maybe we can get and do some ground balls. The command wasn't great. It didn't work very well. But adjustments are, are, are being made, and that will be something that we'll keep an eye on as the season goes along. Um, the bullpen, everybody stunk. I don't know. <laughs> Brennan White had a really good outing on Friday. I thought he was fantastic. Struck out the side Sunday back to hanging the slider like a million times. Definitely like he's, he's the definition of like fantastic stuff. And he's not like walking a boatload of dudes. We'll talk about Alex Lang in a second. Um, but every su- single time he misses with the slider, it's like belt high, heart of the plate. And so that's just something he needs to work on keeping that pitch down. Jason Shreve, Got blasted this weekend. Um, Bo Brisky uh, didn't give up a ton of runs. Give up a couple of hits, though. Zach Short looks great. Shout out inning a ball. Shout out Zach Short. Let's talk about Jason Foley. Um, I think that his command is still just like not what it was at the beginning part of the season. I don't know if he's getting burned out. I don't know if it's uh, like, look, I've been one of the most used relievers in the American League, and it's now August. It's just catching up to me or what, but um, the velocity isn't going anywhere, but the command is. So, 
And we talked a lot. Like, he's a pitch-to-contact guy. He's going to have some stretches where he just gets bad BABIP luck and people are going to freak out. Don't be one of those people. He'll be fine. His stuff is still nasty. Alex Lang, however, uh, we said before this series that I don't think that Alex Lang should be the closer of this baseball team. Golly, he had six walks in two games, right? He had back-to-back three walk outings, I want to say. Just cannot find the strike zone at the moment. No one swings at his curveball anymore unless it is a hanger right down the middle. He is walking everybody. He has very little command of his his sinker, two-seamer, whatever you want to call his fastball. Very little command of that as well. Um, I don't know how you justify continue throwing him out there as the high leverage closer. Good for Bo Brisky closing the door. Good for Tyler Holton closing the door the last time he he did this. And long-term, if you want to move him back at some point because he figures it out and does well again, great. But there is no way you can continue just doing this. He's going to cost you games. <laughs> really frustrating stuff from Alex Lang. I'm sure he's frustrated as well. Jeez. But yeah, I mean, the scouting report's out. Just don't swing. <laughs> like that's literally it. It's not, it's not rocket science. Just don't swing the bat. He, he, all of his stuff moves so much. You think it's in the zone. I promise it's not. And they're right. It's not. It's really all there is to it. Um, anything else pitching wise before we get into Matt Manning? Tarek Skubal was really good. We'll talk about him. He, he doesn't, he's not involved in the, in the brutal pitching portion of the show. Matt Manning. Matt Manning, I think a lot of people are really upset with Matt Manning, and I'm one of them, and it's totally justified. I came on this show like four starts ago of his, and I was like, I think he might be turning a corner. Since then, he has been abysmal. So personally, just like my ego is a little shattered um, just because of that situation. But I mean, seriously, like joking aside, he has gone through a brutal stretch. What happened to the pitch mix that we were in love with? What happened to the, okay, establish the fastball, use the, the the curve and the slider based off the fastball? That's completely out the window. We're now like not even throwing the fastball, which doesn't make sense. It is comfortably his best pitch. Does it miss a ton of bats? No. Does Is it effective? Yes. Look at Matt Manning's fastball effectiveness look at any analytic you want with a fastball in 2022 it was legitimately one of the best fastballs in the game of baseball now the other frustrating thing with the fastball is that we don't know how fast it's going to be ever how is this i've never seen genuinely i have never seen a pitcher with more variance from pitch to pitch not outing to outing pitch to pitch on the velocity of their fastball in my entire life. It's not even close either. He'll go out there and he'll throw a 90 mile an hour heater up and in, and then he'll follow it up two innings later and he'll touch 98. What is happening? So it's just, I'm very frustrated. I'm very frustrated because I, I genuinely thought we were turning a corner. And his last month has just been just thumbs down brutal. The slider had nothing on it in this ball game. Every miss was over the heart of the plate. 
And now we're back to like the gripes that people had about him when he was in double A are like back now. Where he just doesn't have an established third pitch. We thought it was the curveball for a little bit. He took some steps forward. We were like, oh, maybe maybe the curveball, maybe he's got something here. Nope. That's been brutal for the last four starts. And he refuses to throw his best pitch the most often. I don't know if that's a, if that's a uh, like Eric Haas thing. I don't know if it's a Matt Manning thing. I don't know if it's a Chris Fetter and AJ Hinch thing. I don't know who's responsible, but cut it the heck out. I, I the one thing that I love about Chris Fetter, and again, I'm not saying that this is like his fault. I don't know whose fault it is. But the one thing that I love about Chris Fetter is that he doesn't reinvent the wheel. He doesn't like, oh, you got to pitch backwards and like throw your worst stuff at the beginning so that you can use your best stuff when you have two strikes. Like he's like, just throw your best pitches the most. And Matt Manning just doesn't do that. Just beyond frustrating. All the talent and all the ability in the world. And he just cannot get over the hump for anything. The definition of inconsistency is Matthew Manning at the moment. Very frustrating stuff. Um, okay, let's talk about Tarek Skubal, then the offense, then I'll complain about the defense, and then we'll get you out of here talking about the Twins. Uh, we'll do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, your relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected with what you really want while navigating life. Um, I'm obviously been, as we said earlier in the show, uh, very much an advocate for therapy. I've been going myself for five years now, maybe even six, five or six years now. Um, go every week. It has helped me a boatload. Uh, I think this industry does not talk about it enough. That's why I'm so sympathetic towards the Austin Meadows situation to tie that back in. Um, and I just think more people should be aware of its benefits and how uh, grateful I am for my experience with therapy. And I hope that it can be the same to you. So uh, if, uh, if you want to give therapy a try and let it be your map, as BetterHelp says, uh, give it a try with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lockdown MLB and you get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Lockdown MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment, Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Um, there's no way this one's getting done in under 30. We had a lot to talk about. So the offense in this game shut out on Friday. Everyone was brutal. Saturday, they did enough to win behind a really good pitching performance by Tarek Skubal. Uh, I guess I skipped Scooby here. Let's talk about Skubal for a second. He was great. Um, the, the biggest thing continues to be, can Skubal limit his damage to just – Less than, okay, less than one inning. That sounds stupid. That's just like, can you pitch a perfect game every single time out there? Can he limit the damage and not let one inning balloon into a five-run inning? And against a really good baseball team, he did not do that on Saturday. Great. I thought the pitch mix was good. The execution of those pitches I thought was really good. His fastball is such a weapon and has such good tailing movement. I'm, I'm, he's so fun to watch. And uh, the slider I thought was was probably the biggest – uh, left the biggest impression on me 
on Saturday's start. But everything is going to revolve around the fastball with Scooble, just like it is with Manning. The only difference is Scooble actually isn't afraid to throw his 97-mile-an-hour fastball with movement. So uh, great, great outing. Not too much else to add. Really solid. Didn't have the Scooble inning. Two thumbs up. Offensively, uh, talk about Friday, Saturday. They did just enough to win. Sunday, they showed up like, I mean, it was uh, they had three runs in the first six innings and then ended with six runs. So, um, Kerry Carpenter really, I don't know, I want to say the sole reason, but certainly helped a lot. He had a really good day on Sunday. If we're talking about individual performances, I, I think it was Evan Petzold of the Freep. Tweeted out Zach McKinstry's stats since June 1st or like May 31st or something like that. And they're absolutely dreadful. He has been, unfortunately, very, very ineffective for the last over two calendar months now. And he had a fantastic May where he drew a ton of walks and hit for some power. He's not even drawing walks anymore. He swings at every single curveball in the dirt literally every single one and the scouting reports out and he has not made an adjustment so in the same i mean we everybody gives javi a really hard time i'm not saying that like every single player that struggles we need to you know like freak out about as much as this fan base freaks out about javi but um i <laughs> Zach McKinstry has been really, really brutal for over two months now. And um, I I think for a a guy who in May, people were talking about like, oh, maybe he can be like a long-term kind of utility option. I think he's played his way out of that conversation. I I can't imagine that Zach McKinstry is going to be a super high priority uh, beyond this season at this point, unless he turns around and make an adjustment. We still have two months left. Plenty of time to still make an adjustment, but wanted to talk about that. Kerry Carpenter, a really good Sunday, needed it. Hasn't been normal Kerry Carpenter for the last couple of weeks. Hit a homer, first home run in a while. Great to see, getting hits off lefties all around. Just a fantastic Sunday by Kerry Carpenter. Spencer Torkelson had a good Sunday, uh, which was followed up by a really poor Friday and Saturday uh, but the biggest thing for me over the weekend was Riley Green had a really, really rough weekend. Struck out three or four times on Sunday. Only had one hit the entire weekend. Went like one for like 14 or 15. Um, really rough. One walk, one hit. That was it for him. Uh, and again, this is a really good baseball team. The Tampa Bay Rays are, are much better than the Detroit Tigers. So again, like just seeing that they lost to the Rays isn't going to just make me like super upset. Like, yeah, probably (laughs) glad we didn't get swept. Um, but yeah, Riley green really struggled. So you're going to need to see a bounce back from him. Uh, Jake Rogers stays hot. Wanted to talk about that, uh, as well. Just seems to be seeing the ball really, really well lately. And yeah, I mean, he's at a point now where, he is, I want to see what he, I can't find his name. Regardless, uh, I, I he's at a point now where he has certainly played his way onto being part of the long-term plan of this team. And that doesn't mean that he's going to catch 140 games. No one really does that anymore now that Yachty's retired. Um, I guess maybe Salvador Perez kind of, but even then he's DH and sometimes. Like the, the day of that, it's like a goalie in hockey. You need two. And so they still need to add a catcher, but uh, not at the expense of Jake Rogers. And I think more 
and more people are finally opening their eyes to the fact that this dude is is uh, has the ability to be a really valuable part of this team for the foreseeable future. And that's awesome. Two thumbs up. To that. There's his name. Jeez. 745 OPS now on the season. Um, yeah. Shout out to Jake Rogers, man. Had a really, really nice year. Um, besides that, Akil Badu had a homer. Nice to see. Uh, he had a hit on Sunday as well. So a couple of knocks. Um, the homer was destroyed. He crushed that baseball um, off the foul pole. Foul pole. Fair pole. I don't know where that's coming from. Off the foul pole. Uh, crushed it, though. Good to see. Uh, if he can go on a heater here the next two months, I think that that would be very beneficial for everyone. The Tigers, Akil Batu, the fan base. If you can have a nice end of the season, I think that that would help everybody out a lot because he has not been too effective since the beginning of June either. Um, Andy Banez, a couple of hits. Maybe the worst like reaction to a two-hit game. I think someone replied to one of my tweets with that. Like He has the worst two-hit game I've ever seen. Um, and that transitions us into the defense. How is it that this team is so obsessed with giving up an extra 90 feet? And it's it's the outfield. And and Andy Abanez had a couple of really bad defensive plays over the weekend. But like Riley Green on, what was it, Saturday, can't catch a baseball. Like there's two grounders to him that just pop out of his glove. He's clearly upset about it. He should be. That's ridiculous. Um, and, and it costs 90 feet both times. Then you have Sunday where Eric Haas is throwing to third and the trail runner gets to second. Then it happens again. Then there's a balk where we're allowing the runner to advance. Like this team, again, you are not talented enough to do that. Like you, you can't afford this. And we've been saying this since April. Do you know how valuable 90 feet is? I know this is like this is like super super like like nerdy and like weird passion about about one base in in baseball in a game in August, but like ninety feet is is everything. You only need that four times to score a run. You have one of the worst offenses in the game of baseball. You cannot consistently. Oh, and again, it's every outfielder. It's everyone. Akil Badu. We've we've yelled at him time and time again for doing it. Kerry Carpenter certainly has had his problems defensively in the outfield. Riley Green has not only the, the popped out of the glove thing, has thrown it not to the cutoff man or to the wrong base time and time again this year. How, why is this like an agreed upon thing? Eric Haas did it. Like, why is it that every single, they're all holding hands and they're like, we refuse. We are just going to go after the lead runner always. Why? Stop. It, it makes my brain hurt. It's it's so embarrassing and, and so stupid. Like it's so stupid. Oh my! And I'm obviously not calling them stupid. That they, they are major league baseball players and know more about the game than than pretty much anybody else on the planet. But how can you allow this to happen over and over and over again? Been complaining about this since April, and like once a week, this comes up. Just a pitiful defensive effort from this team against a much better team that they couldn't afford to do it against. And they don't have awful defenders, which is the most frustrating thing about it. I said this at the beginning of the show too, but like, 
They have like dudes who grade out well defensively. Again, not everybody. Kerry Carpenter certainly doesn't. But they got Kiel Badu, not a very strong arm, but grades out well defensively. Riley Green grades out well defensively. Matt Veerling, as long as he's not in center field, grades out well defensively. But none of them throw to the correct base literally ever. It's it's mind-boggling to me. And then again, you add on a, a, an error made by an infielder. You add on a balk. Next thing you know, you've given up like seven extra bases over the course of a game. Just inexcusable stuff. And that's like, I don't care about the the, the, the talent. You're not a talented team. I, I care greatly about stuff like that. Drives me nuts. Okay. That's all I got. Play the Minnesota Twins this week. Uh, for those who still are forever optimistic about this team, uh, I applaud you for starters. Tigers are now nine games back from the Minnesota Twins. They have climbed their way to five games over 500. And the Tigers are 13 games under 500. So not really much of a race left there at this point. Um, the pitching matchups for the twin series will be uh, Pablo Lopez against Joey Wentz on Monday. Then we have Sonny Gray against Erod on Tuesday. Uh, we have Ober, Bailey Ober against TBD for the Tigers on Wednesday. And then Reese Olsen against Kenta Maeda, who has had a nice turnaround from an awful first part of the year, went to the IL, and since coming back has been really good um, on Thursday's day game for the Tigers. So uh, there you go. I think I'll, I might be at Tuesday's game. We'll see how uh, how that plays out. But that's pretty much all I got. You need to instill a professional mindset into this team. Uh, and, and if that you think that falls on AJ... Be my guest. I'm not going to stand in the way of that. I think it, it partially, it probably does. But you need to instill a professional mindset into this organization. And allowing that type of nonsense in the field to happen on such an incredibly consistent basis is inexcusable by all parties involved. Players, coaches, front office, you name it. It's ridiculous and that's not how you build a winning culture that's not how you build a winning baseball team you don't just allow them to do whatever they want and suck for seven years while you tank and then like magically everybody's just going to flip the switch and be good all of a sudden be a pro because you are one thanks for making locked on tigers your first listen every single day Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping the game one against the Minnesota Twins. All right. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.